Hi, my name is Jim Noka. I'm with Kyle Versteeg. Yeah, I'm right here. And this is this is episode number twelve of the Knife Journal podcast. Welcome aboard. Hey, uh, how you doing, Kyle? Ah, How's good. It? How are you doing? Stay, oh, I'm trying to stay out of trouble. We've been dodging raindrops up here all for the past week, and it's I'm getting tired of it. But the sun is shining today. It's a glorious day. Yeah, About ready to go out and cut some wood. We're in the same same boat here, kind of junky weather but this is fall in iowa you know it's yeah this has been an awful wet fall for us this year hmm. it just seems like it's been a real wet fall hmm. so so what have, what have you been up to what do you what do you okay you were, you were camping this weekend well you were playing around <laughs> so so here's my weekend and mine will be quick because we got to talk about yours yours is much more interesting uh friday night i had to go I had to stay overnight in some small town because I did uh, surgery there, and I don't like to leave town if I have a um, fresh surgery walking around. And then same thing happened on Sunday night. Well, Saturday night I got to go uh, and spend a, a little time with my kids in the woods. We had a little weenie roast, you know, made some s'mores, stuff like that. They're getting to be real fans of it. So uh, that's, that's a good thing. Stuff. But then Sunday during the day, you're going to laugh at me. I had to completely learn how to code a website from scratch. No template, no WordPress BS, no Squarespace BS. Code a website, period. Done. Not only that, I had to learn how to make it so that it's responsive, meaning if you look at it on your desktop, it looks one way. If you look at it on a tablet, it looks another. If you look at it on a um, mobile device like an iPhone or something, it looks another way. And all three of them look good. Mm. So I, I spent Sunday learning how to do it. Monday evening, I spent a couple hours and put together the index page. And this morning, I've been kind of tweaking stuff. So is it is it live now? No, it won't be live for a while because I gotta I gotta put links in and I gotta do some content for each of my little pages and all that. But the the structure is there and it's it works on all three devices. So pretty pumped about that. Well, that's cool. It's it's actually an interesting thing. I built my first website in 1995. Oh my gosh! <laughs> 1995. Yep, it was pretty funny. We had a, a buddy of mine and I. We both built them simultaneously, and we used a program. I think it was called PageMaker. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's what it was, PageMaker. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it was comical because we would be we'd be looking at each other's websites, you know, and then we'd call each other later on in the evening and say, "Oh, I got 32 hits today. I got 32." You know, and it's like <laughs> six months later, like you know, we're the only ones looking at each other's websites, dude. If you haven't noticed that, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was it was pretty comical, but in, in, but it was a, it was an interesting learning experience, and and uh, I, and I'm glad I did it. I mean, I, I it was. Um, I mean, it's a good thing to know how to do. Yeah, back, no back then, did they even, I don't even think they had uh, web browsers yet. You had to do it through Unix. Um. No, no, no. No, we had, um, uh, I think Internet Explorer was It would be like only, a day old. Yeah, no, it was like the day, yeah. well, Windows 95 was out. Windows 95 was out. Yeah, so, so it was like the had first. It, then, yeah. it was like the first serious version of Windows. Well, and then and then that would have been one of the first like actual like user interface, you know, friendly web browsers because before yep. that yep. I was on the I got web I got I was on the web in 1992 at yep. email and there were web pages they just were janky 
And the only way you could get right. to them is if you had a, a an account with a um, Unix server, and then there was this program called Lynx, L-Y-N-X, yep. and then you'd have to type Lynx, and then the like the exact website address, or you wouldn't yep. get it. Yep. And, then you and, it, and it was a series of numbers and IP addresses. It yeah, was it, was, address it was crazy how cumbersome it was. Yep. In 1992, yep. I'm trying to think what I was doing on the web. I'd by then I had uh, or 1995, I'd done um, I'd done some coding for a mud. <laughs> and if there's any dorks in the audience, um, they might know what a mud is. Well, you know what's what's funny? We had. Um, Back then, my neighbor kid was probably, let's see, it was, it was 93, he was probably eight, eight or nine years old at that time, and we had gotten a, we had gotten a computer, we had gotten like a Packard Bell or a, or a Hewlett Packard or some, some big box computer, and it had a dial-up modem in it that had, um, I think it was 2,200, does that sound right, baud? 2,200 baud modem? Something like, yeah, it's 2, like 2.2K modem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it was like, and, and it was, we were laughing about it. I talked to him about a year ago, and we were laughing about when I got a 14.4. Yeah, that was like the the cat's behind yeah, for a while. Yeah, yep, yep. And, then, and then after that, it was a 56K, and we were on a 56K modem for a long time. Yeah. I mean, a long time. And then, you know, you dial up, and... My fax machine still does that, <laughs> so I still get to hear that sound. <laughs> oh, it was funny. Back in the days. Yeah. Back in the days. Yep, a little bit of history there. A little bit of internet history. For, we're, for people that are... Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm getting a sense of your, like, inner, inner geek here. <laughs> like you, you can't know that stuff and have done that stuff and not have been somewhat geeky. Well, like there's no way. I start. I I did. A, we used to hook into uh, the computer at Eastern Michigan University and the computer at Michigan at University of Michigan when I was in high school. Yeah. And it was comical because we would spend our lunch hour, and we'd get to the office, and then we could use the teletype machine. Now I'm <laughs> sure I'm dating myself at this point in time. And we would we would type in, you know, you had a username and a password, and you got in, and and there were all these silly little programs that people had written. That uh, one of them was a drag racing program where you could you could set up your horsepower of your dragster, you could put the tire diameter, your gear ratio, the yeah. transmission ratios, all those things, and then you would see how fast your dragster would go. Yeah. So we so here we are in uh, I'm thinking it's like tenth grade. Maybe ninth grade, but tenth, I think yeah. it was tenth grade, and and we were doing that. So I would have been in I would have been in first grade. You'd have been I, like in diapers. No, because <laughs> you're only ten years older than me, right? I'm thirty nine. I don't know. I'm thirty six. Oh, so I'm three years older than you. So I was in That's right. what college? <laughs> <laughs> no, but but um, uh, point being, uh, back then, you know that little program you were talking about, right? Uh, I was writing. You wrote, you wrote it. I was writing those in BASIC. There was this language called BASIC yep. that you uh -huh. and BASIC from like the Commodore Four, which is what I had, was different from BASIC on all the other computers. And you, there was no way you could know them all, so your program would only work on your computer. Yeah. <laughs> it was such a pain well, in the it was, butt. It, it was funny forever. because our first our first computer 
that we got was it was a televideo. Well, no, I take that back. We had a we had a Texas Instruments TI ninety nine four A, and we had the full blown complete with a floppy disk drive and the, and and everything the expansion pack and and it was actually the first um, was it was it the first sixteen bit processor. It was it was a processor that was way ahead of its time. It was it was absolutely as good as as the IBM machines that were out. Actually, it was maybe a little better, mm-hmm. and but it had the, it had like a better structure that everybody went to eventually. Yeah. But that that computer did not. I mean, it was like so ahead of its time that nobody. I think I still actually have that. Nobody made anything for it. That's the other problem. right. Right. You had to have you know everything was proprietary, but it was fun. It was a great learning process. Yeah. Well then. Well, then I had a, um, in fact, I was talking about it this weekend. I had a, um, we got a televideo machine that mm-hmm. had two five, two five and a quarter inch floppy drives. Two? Okay. <laughs> had two five and a quarter floppy drives. Oh, my they were, gosh. And when I say, there's no hard drive on those. Yeah. Back then, it was not a no, hard yeah, drive. No, yeah, yeah. It that, was just a, yeah, the like processor. And this was, this was, this was called a, um, a, a, I think they called them suitcases. The guy I was camping with this weekend called it a luggable. Okay. <laughs> so it was it was about the size of a of a big desktop box. Yeah. That was turned on its side, mm-hmm. and then it had a handle on it, and then you you clicked off to the front of it, and it dropped down, and there was a keyboard. The keyboard oh, came cool. off, and it was on a string on a on a cable mm-hmm. that that came out, and then it had. Uh, the a monitor that was, I think, a nine-inch amber monitor. Right. That was that was in that was mounted next to the two five and a quarter floppy drives. It, I'm pretty sure they were five and a quarters. They weren't eight. In, I had an eight-inch drive at one time. Eight-inch. An eight-inch floppy drive. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. When I was in when I was in high school, I worked for this company that did uh, that actually. I did I actually worked on a B1 bomber. Um, oh, cool. project, project when I was in high school, and and no, I'm not one of those child prodigies. It's, I had a job at a uh, an electronic repair place, and we would repair numerical control machines for like Burroughs and and uh, uh, GM, and so we would do the we would repair the printed circuit boards that went into those machines, and the guy that I was that was my boss was kind of ahead of, of the curve. He was a real nice guy, but he was kind of ahead of the curve. And you talk about your inner geek. This is really coming out now. We were, I'm in high school. I'm a senior in high school, and this is my work-study program. And what we were doing was uh, I was working with a bunch of guys that had graduated from Rochester Institute of Technology in electronics. Right. And, and uh, they had set up this computer, and it was as big as a, bigger than a chest freezer. Huh. And it had a, a platter, a, a, a dual platter drive thing that was about the size of a three drawer file cabinet, hmm. two drawer file cabinet, two drawer file cabinet, and the, and the lid lifted up like a washing machine lid, you know, like a yeah. top loading washing machine lid, and it would lift up, and you'd put the platters in there, and then you shut the lid, and it would turn on, and it was very very cool. And so we were, what we would do, we we plug in the some of the guys that I was working with were computer programmers. And they were they were programming in um, that uh, with a tape reader, so they would they would um, 
type in and a tape would punch out and then it would use the tape to, <laughs> to run these. I mean, this is, we're talking old stuff here. Yeah. This is pre, this is pre, well, no, I That's think like it was some about the Sherlock same. Holmes stuff right there. Well, it, it was actually, I think it was, I think it was a later iteration of the punch cards. It had a little steam wheel on it or something. Yeah, yeah. It had, well, it had an optical <laughs> reader. It had, a, it had an optical oh, reader cool. on it. And uh, and the, the the punch holes would go over the optical reader, and it would. And it that would was the only way to the, input into the machine. Yeah, there and that no was such the way you loaded keyboard or whatever. Right, right. Can you imagine so, screwing up that code? Well, you never, you probably <laughs> I don't know you probably didn't have this, but when I was in college, computer programming consisted of using punch cards, and oh, each yeah. we didn't each have punch card was a line of code, was yeah. one line. Yeah, we didn't. And so that. you'd see guys walking down the. Down the down the hallway with a box that was like like three times the size of a shoebox that was just full of nothing but punch cards. Yeah, and it was like to make their computer say "Hello, Jim" or something. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it was it was it was something like that. And yeah. and actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna may embarrass my wife a little bit, but that was the only class in college that she failed. Ooh. And it was and it was that class because she she was like just so sick of punch cards it wasn't even funny. <laughs> and I would always bug her and say let's go get coffee and she'd say I got to do the punch cards. I was like nah, I'll do do those later. But anyway, I digress. But so so to to to, to tell our listeners how it used to be is kind of comical because I, and I'm only touching on a little portion of it. I mean it's not <laughs> like I was a. Like I was the major, uh, you know, room full of computer guy that mm-hmm. with the floors that were. We used to have rooms that were floor. The floors were elevated and they were air conditioned underneath it, and vents would go up into the floor, into yeah. the bottom of the computer. Yeah, the the computer sciences building at University of exactly. Iowa was like that when I was there. Yep, and 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 probably the computing power in that room wasn't as much as my laptop. <laughs> Not as much as my iPhone, no. Exactly. Well, the, uh, like I was saying, but, the first computer I had was a, Com- a Commodore C4, right? Yep. And you could get games for it or programs, but they all came on cartridges, so you'd have to plug yep. the cartridge in. And then I was had that before, a, was that before us Commodore 64? Yeah, it was like their first first thing they ever put out, and then so mm-hmm. it, it just had four, I think four kilobytes. I doubt it was kilobytes. Yeah, I guess it was four kilobytes of memory and then uh, I had a little tape machine that I would hook to it and it was literally a cassette and you put the cassette in you could use any cassette and uh, you'd hit record and then you'd put save and then you you'd have to save your little program to that but if you screwed up I remember writing these basic programs that like it, it wouldn't do anything it'd be like some stupid program like you described where you you input your tires and all this and stuff and, like, there's no, like, magic to it. It's just some guy came up with some formula. Well, in order to make your program do that, that's, that's like, an enormous amount of typing and stuff. And and there wasn't a way to go back in and, and like, edit. You'd have to type the whole damn thing again. Like, you right. couldn't just go in and, like, replace, like, a missing character or something. So it had to be typed perfectly. <laughs> Man, I tell you what... That right. was just horrible. Well, you know what? What was what was comical? I what what I was getting at was the size of this machine. My boss went. We, we had been inputting. I mean, I was doing things like doing what the computer told me to do. I would like plug a card into a card reader mm-hmm. and 
and it would read the card and it would say probe so and so, probe this and that, you know, and and I was helping helping the programmer do those things. Mm-hmm. And uh and then after it was all said and done, I'd actually do the repair work on the on the PC card on the card print circuit board. Yeah. And, uh, and then ship it back. But um, what he was doing was basically he programmed the computer to do to run a diagnostic test on those on those um, cards. Okay. On those on those printed circuit boards. Well, he had a, a huge amount of data. Now I was only working there, I think, three or four days a week. I wasn't working there, although like six days. What most of the guys did. I did in the summertime, but I didn't work that way in the, during school. So there was a huge amount of huge amount of labor that went into this thing, and a huge amount of um, data that was on that was on these platter drives. Now, a platter drive, like I said, was the size of a two drawer file cabinet. The platters were probably a twelve inch disc, and it was, and they were kind of like inside that like round box, like a it was kind of like a big donut. Mm-hmm. Inside that thing was multiple layers of media, some kind of you know magnetic media that that the reader would read. Yeah, it was it was sort of like eight inch floppy drives, but I think they were bigger, and I think they were twelve inch. And you'd put them in and you would turn them and lock them in place and and then close the lid. Well, this was when I first realized about backing up things. My boss, who was who was really a bright guy. Walked over and he looked at the computer and he looked at every the, the setup in our lab, and he said, "You know," he said, "I'm gonna we got to put this phone somewhere." And he set this big old phone. Now this is an analog, you know, the rotary oh, dial phone with, with the, the ringers and the button. In the, in the set it right on top of that, <laughs> right on top of that platter drive thing. And literally, the secretary rang in the first time, and it wiped out. Everything on those yep. on those discs, magnet in the earpiece, that just that fast, yep. and and we had to start all over from scratch. I was, <laughs> I was like going, wow, that's pretty amazing that that did that, and and uh, he was kind of kicking himself in the ass, but it was uh-huh, it just cost it was him a lot, all the labor that it took to get oh, to yeah. that point. Yep, yep, yep. So that was a that was a huge learning curve right there. That was funny, I, and that's when I realized, just like holy crap, we need to back everything up. Yeah. <laughs> so so now. If you went on my computer right now, now uh-huh. this is this is my Mac machine. Yeah. I just got this about I don't know six months ago. You will find emails on this Mac machine from 1998. Oh man, because I save everything. Yeah. So <laughs> so if any of you people are gonna like fire off angry emails and stuff, and then like be nice to us at a later show or on. something later on, yep. we'll have yep. that email. <laughs> yeah, I will. I, it's it's kind of funny because and and I started. A, a lot of people will say, "Well, how the hell do you remember that?" You know, and I'll say, "You know what? I when I get an email from somebody, a lot of times if I don't if I haven't heard from somebody in a long time, I may have a good memory, but I may not remember the content. I may remember that I had been contacted before by somebody. Yeah, and I'll and I'll just basically type in a name. And in my in my email list and my emails and I'll, it'll go back. It might go back to ninety eight. Might go back two thousand. Yeah. And uh, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that guy. I have I have <laughs> stuff back to about I think two thousand one. That's that's when I got kind of a standalone email address, and I've had it ever since then. Yeah, two thousand one. I have a I have an email that I got in nineteen ninety five. 
I still have the the address. Oh man, I still I, own, wish I, I still use the address. I, I wish I had my original. It was no? uh, K Versteeg at blue dot 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 edu. That's funny. Yeah, you had to you had to put the specific server name, and then the building and all that into the into the email to send it. That's funny. Yeah, back That's in funny times. Well, we really went off on a tangent there. So that was a website. So um, let, let me just let me just finish my monkey business. Okay. Um, so that's that's where I'm at. Here's my future plans. Um, I think I'm going to try to collar you to come on both of these. Um, now, November 21st, which is a Thursday, through November 24th, which is a Sunday, um, right up by you on the northeast tip of that horn of Minnesota is a thing called the Winterer's Gathering. And I'm bringing my teepee up there and going to just go crazy. Buckskin pants, all that nonsense. You know, You're gonna like, have your butt showing. Oh yeah, <laughs> like like at that Renaissance fair we went to. There were these dudes. Let me set the scene here for you. Okay, so this is the first time I'm up in Michigan, right? And like I'm up at Jim's house, and like it's just real nice. Like it's almost like a little like a tourist town, like Lake Okaboji would be where I live. You know, real nice area. And uh, we're walking around and stuff, and. There's all this stuff to do. So we go to this, like, French trappers, like, reenactment thing, right? And they've got people dressed up as Indians, people dressed up as, as like, you know, blacksmiths, people dressed up as traders and all this stuff. And, like, they won't break character. Like, they take it seriously. Yeah, you know? they'll be talking to you. Be talking to them, and they'll they'll be talking to you in an English accent, right? Or a French it's accent. It's like, dude, or... you're from Detroit. Shut up. <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you, Madonna now? Hey, I remember when Madonna went through that phase where she like faked a British accent. Give me a break. Yeah, you're from yeah. Detroit. You just need to calm down. <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, so we're there, and like these people are just not breaking character. We'd be like, Jim and I would walk up to some guy, and we'd be like, dude. Like, seriously, what do you do in real life? He's like, oh, I'm a trader for the Hudson Bay Company, blah, blah. It's like, shut up. Like, what are you, like a computer programmer or something? I, I just need to know. And they, they never broke character. So, like, we're, we're there like an hour before I notice this. Um, but eventually, like, I, I'm like looking at the ground or something, and this naked ass walks right in front of my face. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> what the hell? And it's this dude... And he's got these, like, he's got, like, a loincloth on or something and, like, no underwear. And it, it wasn't just him. It was, like, everyone. Like, all these people were walking around with, like, loincloths and no underwear. And it was just, uh, it was out of control. So that that's, that's like, my first experience with, um, you know, where Jim lives. And then... As soon as I see the one and, guy, and I dress like that, I dress like that a lot. I dress <laughs> like that right now. So it's a it's a Michigan thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have uh, I have ashless chaps. No, I don't. <laughs> so I was gonna say I got ashless chaps on, but I think I better not say that. Yeah. Well, no. the, but you know what? The what's really cool about it, I mean, and we're gonna change gears here shortly, but it's this area is so full of history. It's not even funny. I mean, the yeah. first battle of the War of 1812 was fought, like, 10 miles from here, 15 miles from here. 
you know, so one of the first French outposts in Michigan was, or in the United States was here. This was like the gateway to the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's just full of history, and a lot of a lot of people take that kind of stuff serious, want to keep that alive. So, uh, I mean, I, I I enjoy going to that function. I mean, I've yeah. been there two I'm, or three I'm, different I times. I want to go back to it. That was awesome. And and you know, it's funny. There's others. There's others that are at the fort too, uh-huh. where you go to the fort and they're they're camped on the fort grounds. Uh-huh. There's a couple King's regiments that are there that show up, and then there's some French that show up. You know, it's it's a it's interesting. It's uh it's a it's a very neat deal. But yeah. So okay, so back to uh, you're gonna wear oh, you're gonna wear buckskin Skinner clothes, huh? Right. Well, so I want you to I want you to come to that. Um, All right. And then I think um, what I was gonna do is uh, is if my so when, grinder when is, is in, Thanksgiving when is Thanksgiving is the following weekend. So this is the weekend before. And people, if you guys want to come out and meet us and stuff, we'd love to. We'd love to see you. We're gonna. It's it's the uh, you can look up Winterers Gathering. Just Google that, and it, it shows right up there. But um, so that's that's from the twenty first through the twenty through the twenty fourth. It's that weekend, and I'm I'm gonna drive. I'll be there early in the day on Thursday, setting up my teepee, um, and then I'll be there through Sunday. Leave Sunday, and then I'm probably gonna go over to Escanaba to Mike's. And okay. probably leave Escanaba um, Monday-ish. You know, is um, uh, um, say that again. Are you bringing anybody with you? Uh, no, I, I invited Tim, um, but Tim didn't want to go. Um, so it's just it's probably just going to be me unless uh, somebody else. Like chimes in or whatever. Well, I I tried to get uh, the guy I was camping with this weekend to go. Oh, okay. I think he, I'd like to go to that uh, crooked knife class. Which one is that? There's the one about making canoe paddles and. Oh yeah, yeah. You know yeah, they, a, it, how to how to yeah. use how to properly use a crooked knife. I mean, I don't know if people yeah. know what that is or not, but. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I probably that's that'd be a good one. They they have all kinds of classes there. I'm going to go to pretty much every one I can, and then my teepee's going to be on the tent tour, and uh, everybody's going to see my hot teepee, so sexy, you know, with like billowing smoke and all this, and well, you know, cloths and you know, rugs. I have one now, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, but I you gotta, could stay in mine. We just set one up. Yep. And then you wouldn't I, have to pay a campsite fee. I have a uh, um, Kifaru, Kifaru, however you want to say it, yeah. uh, tent that I picked up about a couple weeks ago and i picked it up from a guy and he he claims it's 10 years old i don't think it's that old right it's it's uh a white four-man tent with a with a stove um has the snow and the sand pegs and then the regular pegs yeah and uh Those, those snow pegs from my tent they're like 200 bucks yeah yep yeah, exactly. It's crazy. Everything yeah. that they make is like crazy expensive. And so I, I set this tent up, and this this friend of mine is is a very very smart man. I mean, when I say, I mean, he's really smart. He has been in corporate America for almost his whole life, and is a fellow knife nut. And I mean, a real. I mean, he loves knives. He's been involved in some uh, knife business for a long time. But he never, um, 
I mean, he started selling knives when he was in, I think, just out of high school because he was driving a driving a truck on a construction to construction sites, delivering stuff. And he would also have like, you know, like almost like the coat, the guy that opens up the coat and hey, you want to buy yeah. a watch? <laughs> <laughs> but it was, but it was knives, and he and he, yeah. you know, he start he started like a little business doing that. Anyways, uh, so. He hasn't been camping a lot. hasn't been in the outdoors a lot, and he was wanting to go and, you know, start doing those kinds of things. He's a he's an avid kayaker. He's in great shape. He rides a bike all the time, all over the place. But he's never never spent a lot of time camping. Real huh. big hunter, um, you know. But you know, basically, you drive your car somewhere, then you I see a little kid in the background. Yeah, well, there's um, there's uh, there's plenty of room in the teepee. Yeah, well, and I, yeah. I I told him about it, and I said maybe you could come with us. And uh, anyway, so we went camping this weekend uh, out yeah. on an undisclosed hold, hold on. location. Yeah, yeah. Hold on. Let's let me let me say the other thing that I'm going to try to rope you into. Okay. And um, we touched base base briefly on this, but uh, next um, probably May time frame. Uh, I know a guy in Guyana. His name is Andy Narain. And the last name is spelled N-A-R-I-N-E. And you can find him on Facebook. He, he's also, if you Google search him, you've heard of the Autobahn Society, right? Yes. Well, um, it's like the Autobahn Society only for Guyana. And he's the guy that started it. So he's oh, like, wow. of all the people in the world, he's probably the most knowledgeable person about birds in South America. And especially in the regions where we'll be going. So like... You'll be walking along with this guy, and he'll be like, mm, "There goes a, t- a toucan, blah blah blah, channel bill blah," you know, and he'll be, he can spot him from like miles away, and he can tell you all these name? birds and Narain, N A R I N E, N A R I N E E, yeah. But anyway, he he's uh, I, I was with him on that uh, Amazon five thousand expedition. He he came along for the Guiana portion, and uh, anyway, so. I've talked to him, and sometime in May, uh, I'm going to rope you into going down with me and going back into the jungle. There's all kinds of cool stuff to see in there. You can go to the, there's all kinds of waterfalls, mountains, rivers. Uh, we could sneak up to Jonestown and do a podcast from Jonestown. Uh, I mean, you, I think, the, I think that'd be fun. Yeah. And then the other person that I've talked um, to with, the tentative maybe I can go for May is uh, Joe Flowers. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, and Joe Flowers is, uh, what, is he, what would you say, he's a designer for Condor? Or does he have a bigger role in that? Now? No, I he, think he's, I think he designs nice for them. I yeah. think that, that's, he, uh, um, designs and promotes, I would say. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. What's so, up, Andy Norine? Narain, yeah, N A R I N E. He's on Facebook. He's and on my, Andy he's on is my, his first name, right? Yeah, he's on my yeah, Facebook yeah. friends list, so you can find him real easy. Uh, hold it up a little bit. Yeah, that's him. Okay, now the reason he's so good, right, is if you have like, you know, five military-looking white dudes, um, you know, dressed in frickin' jungle stuff with boots, big burly guys twice the size of the local population, with mustaches, aviator sunglasses, smoking, swearing, walking around. 
uh, dominating the land, the na it, it like freaks out the natives or mm -hmm. the locals, you know. So, but this guy, um, if you if you look at his pictures, he's a Rastafarian, and in Guyana, that's like a very very like special person. So anywhere you go with him, like they'll take his word for it that you're a good guy. You know, and especially because we will behave like good guys, um, that you know they you have much better relations with the uh, locals and stuff. But so anyway, that is on that's in the hopper as a as a definite but no definite dates. Um, and uh, I'm done. I'm I'm paying your way. Um, other people who go along are paying their way. Uh, you know, the, the cool thing is, is a, a plane ticket from Miami to Georgetown is only 500 bucks. Mm -hmm. So your total cost, even if you fly from like your local airport is going to be maybe a thousand bucks. Right. You know, so it, it's, it's like pretty cheap to get there. It doesn't take freaking you know, three days to get there either. It's just a flight, one flight from Miami. Nice. Yeah, so that'll, that, and it's perfect because the entire country is English speaking, and then we'll have a local guy with us to uh, um, help us out. And uh, the other person I talked to briefly about it is Chance Sanders. Yep. Yeah. So he may be able to go. So if we had the four of us, um, you know, there's there's quite a bit of monkey business that can go along with that group. Oh yeah. Yeah, we'll have fun. Yeah, and we might even be able to do a little hunting with a spear or a knife. <laughs> you know, like they have. I I'm not sure about that country because I didn't see any there. But uh, in other countries along the Amazon basin, there's wild boars and um, the nice. And hunted a lot of wild boars. You just kind of herd them down to the river, and then one person kind of tackles them and stabs them, which I think is a little brutal. But if you're not allowed to have a gun. I mean, that's pretty much all you're going to do. But, uh, yeah, Mickey Grossman, he's got this video of him stabbing a, a wild boar with a with that BHK uh, Pathfinder knife that uh, Dave you know, Canterbury's. I've noticed, uh, I've noticed some um, pictures and videos starting to show up on on Facebook of that of that trip. Oh, yeah. Have you noticed yeah. that? Well, I know there's a lot of a lot of video or a lot of images. I, I haven't seen a lot of video yet. I, I know they're promoting it, and because that you know I'm under a, a contract where I can put photos up and stuff, but I can't put any video up because I have extraordinary video of stuff that is so cool, but I'm not allowed to use it because um, that's going to be made into a a uh, film. So. But I know they're also working on um, books and and stuff like that. But anyway. uh, that'll be that'll be fun to do that. Yeah. Okay, so let me tell you about my weekend. Okay. Yep. Now now it's Jim's time. I'm gonna shut up. <laughs> Jimla. Okay, so I go to an, uh, this undisclosed location because I'm gonna tell you why it's gonna be undisclosed in a minute. But it's this piece of it's this wilderness area that okay. is a big area. That is absolute wilderness. Okay. Very, very cool. Um, and uh, it's so it's so remote that the state used to have a campground there, and they mm -hmm. abandoned it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Because <laughs> it was too hard to get to. 
that's my perfect place. I know it. I know it. It's it's awesome. And it, and so we had a we had a blast. We went there and and like I said, we, I took this friend of mine, and um, like I said, he's not a he he wants to learn stuff and he but he just never did a lot of camping uh, in his life. So he's like, oh, I want you to teach me this. I want you to teach me that. And I said, you know what? Let's just go up there and have a good time. Yeah. And and uh, so I I pick up this. Um, Kifaru, how do you pronounce it? Kifaru or Kifaru? Or uh, I hear it, it different ways. I, the way I pronounce it is Kifaru, but I, I'm sure somebody's going to say it the other way. It's like tomato, tomato, potato, okay. potato. Okay, so I, I pick up this tent, and it's a four-man tent, which is not, in the I guess in the lightweight scheme of things, it's probably more tent than two guys need. Yeah. You know, if you were just lightweight tenting it, really lightweight tenting it, yeah, that's all you need. If you, mm-hmm. you know, a handful of freeze-dried MREs and uh, uh, a water source and... What, what's that way? Just the tent nothing, itself? Nothing. Literally yeah. nothing. I mean, you can't even hardly tell it's... It's like, like, a, it's like it's a tarp, a, basically, a big tarp. Yeah, but it's, it's like your... It's the same material that yours is, only it's about a third the size. Yeah, or and then smaller. it's got it's got the center pole, which probably yep. doesn't weigh hardly Nothing. anything. Uh, the, the, I think the center height of the tent is six foot. Wow, that's nice. I didn't so, think they were that tall. Yeah, so so you can stand up next to the pole and get dressed. Oh, that's nice. Okay, so yeah. so um, well, if you were seven foot, you could. Well, you could. But, the other thing you could do next to the pole is take your clothes off. Yes. And put on exactly. some like, music exactly. and stuff like exactly and pole the, dance. Yes, yeah, sure. except, <laughs> ex- except for when the uh, except for when the the heater's on, because that thing gets cherry red. Oh yeah, yeah, mine does um, too. And, and I don't know. Did you? How you have a what size stove do you have? I think this I've one is Arctic. a small. I'd have to. I'd have to. I, I have the biggest one they make. Okay, so this yeah. one is like the small. It must be the smallest one that they make. Yeah. And. Uh, and even my wife, I set it up, you know, obviously I wanted to check it out, make sure that it didn't have any big holes in it. So I set it up uh, in the yard, and it was 17 degrees one morning here. And there was a, there was frost on the outside of the tent. Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. There was frost on the outside of the tent about a quarter of an inch. Easy huh. a quarter of an inch. Just real, that real heavy, thick frost. Yeah. And she was, you know, she's in here saying in the house and getting ready for work. And she said, you know, she said, why don't you go try to build a fire in there now and see how hot you can get it. Mm-hmm. And so I went out there and I built a little fire in there. And within a matter of, I would say, four minutes at most, yeah, the tent was about 65 to 70 degrees. Yeah. And within within ten minutes, it was 80 degrees. Yeah, my, and, mine, and, mine gets so hot so quick you can't stand to be in there. Yep, yep, you know. exactly. And then I noticed that there were spots on the top of the, the doors that you can open up for vents. Yeah. For, vent, for ventilation. Yeah, they, so. they really build those things slick. I'm, very, I'm very really nice. And so we set, we get up there and we set this up. And like I said, for two guys, um, it's it's more than enough room. Yeah. You know, for uh, it's a, they claim it's a four-man tent. Well, you've got to be – you probably wouldn't be having your, your uh, stove in there. And you probably wouldn't. You'd have to be pretty good friends with the people you were with, because mm. you would be ass to feet, ass to face, almost yeah. the whole. You know. No thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can pass on that myself. Um, well, my my twelve man. There'll be there's plenty of room 
like for six people in there plus gear to, yeah. to sleep very comfortably with cots. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So this place that we're at is uh, it's like it, it's almost reminds me of well, <laughs> one of the we went for a couple walks and one of the walks that we went on, um, Brian said. You know, I, I just think a hobbit's going to jump out any minute. <laughs> he said this re- this reminds me of like Middle Earth, you know, because because it was like a lot of moss, a lot of, of big trees, a lot of uh, uh, you know things like that that were yeah. that just reminded you of some place like like you would never believe where we were. Yeah. And so I'm so I'm thinking, you know, this is probably like a perfect place to have a rendezvous type thing for for knife nuts. Yeah. You know, because it's far it, enough out it's of the It's an island, it's gonna, though, right? How do you get yes. out there? Um, it's a secret. Okay. But it's you undis- could, it's so, you could share it. location. Right. You could share it with with the people who are actually going to come, though. Or you could well, yes. give GPS coordinates and make them figure it out and be a bastard. No, no, no. It, it's, it's yes. I is, would it, be... is it kayakable or is it big boat? Oh, it's big boat. Okay, so it's big boat. Yeah, but you, but yes, this is. I mean, you can, but you can bring kayaks. You, there's uh, the only thing I have to do is actually find the the place that would house that you could put like like forty people or thirty people or whatever whoever would show up. We could clear. Um, we could go out there with and clear some. Well, there's especially there was with, a couple with, spots we, we cruised the eye. We cruised the place, and there was a couple of spots that I lo- was looking at. I was like, yeah, this is really cool. This would work. Um, you know, there's, uh, it's, it's a very, very primitive place. Um, yeah. very, I mean, very, very primitive, and it's, it's pretty good size. There's lots of water. There's lots of, I mean, there's, there's a lot of coyotes. There isn't a lot of small animals. Um, yeah, I wouldn't imagine. <laughs> you know, there's a the, bunch of the, coyotes on well, an it's, island. Well, it's kind of funny because the whole time I was there, I saw one squirrel, and I saw, I, I didn't see any bunnies. Um, I saw a few birds, hmm. and I saw several deer, but hmm. that was it. And I didn't see any coyotes. So one night, where where uh, I was sleep, I sleep like a log. And uh, about I guess four o'clock in the morning, something was nuzzling on the side of the tent. Ooh. And uh, <laughs> and, and Brian was thinking it was like, it was like four o'clock in the morning. He's like, hey, I'm thinking I'm going to wake you up. And then I was thinking, no, no, you're. Uh, by the time I you wake up, you'll think I'm crazy because. It'll be gone, and uh, he said I wasn't sure. He said I was thinking it might be Sasquatch. I mean, it was <laughs> it, it was dark. I mean, when I say dark, it was dark. I mean, yeah. we have like a dark sky park not too far from us, so there's yeah. no there's no lights. Yeah, up there's here. there's not much light up there. If you look at if, if, if folks for folks at home, if you look at a map of where he lives, you know the 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 world at night map. You know that all these hippies like to look at. It's uh, where he's at. It's it's like black, and, and that's that's where I am too. It's like where I am. It's like there's no light at night. There's no street lights or nothing. I mean, it's yeah. it's really quite dark, and and so uh, if it's an overcast night or the moon or, or a no moon night, people don't realize how black black really is. I mean, oh, yeah. it's like dark room black up here. Yeah, you and, can see uh, you can see. Uh, if you've never been in under those conditions, and I don't imagine a lot of people have, but you you can actually see the Milky Way as a yeah. band, like yeah, it's, and it's like, big. Yeah, it's awesome. Like yeah. if you ever get out into areas that are that dark, and I I'm there very very often, but um, 
Like it just cracks me up. We have a we have up here what's called a dark, like the first dark sky park in the United States. Yeah. And I was overseas when my, when this place opened up. My wife was we were talking on the phone, and she was all excited about this new dark sky park that opened up. And she's like, "You can't believe it! You can't believe it!" And I was like, "Sweetheart, I'm out in the middle of the desert in the darkness, the absolute pitch blackness here too. There's yeah. there's no street lights here either." <laughs> <laughs> I said, I know what the dark sky looks like. And I said, and you know what's weird? I said, I don't understand how people that live where we live would be all excited about a dark sky park when we just walk out our front door and see exactly the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So Yeah, from your house, the you can see pretty much oh, yeah. everything. Oh, yeah, yep, yep. And we were out there with that Starwalk app. Yep, very cool, Yeah. very cool. Yep. So, so, we, so we're, all, we're out there, and we... We have this uh, this Kifru tent and Kifru stove and you know and Brian was like you know I'm pretty impressed I did not think I did not think I was going to be this comfortable uh, yeah. tenting it like this out in yeah. the middle of nowhere like this and you know and it doesn't and that's that little stove does not take much wood yeah you know and I was I was heating water up on the, on the top of it and making coffee and you know and, and if you were if you were doing a uh, a freeze dried type, you know, freeze dried type meals where you just have to boil water and yeah, and uh, and mix your stuff up with water with hot water. Pretty easy, pretty easy camping actually. Yeah. But. But yeah, for like a rendezvous up there, you know, if 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 people just understood that there's not really going to be tent sites uh, unless you clear it yourself, um, so you'd be bringing a hammock. Or be right. bringing a machete and or right. an axe or a saw or something, then I think, uh, you know, you can pretty much have one anywhere as long as you have a, you know, a, a, a reasonable spot, you know. Right. Well, it would definitely it would definitely be the kind of place that nobody's going to haul a camper out to. Right. So it, you know, it's it's uh, PWIP on steroids. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Yep. Exactly. Like yeah. you could get like you could clear out a small spot and you could have a. You know, you could easily make a, uh, I mean, it was flat spots enough to set up like your tent. You probably could find a spot to set your tent up, your big tent up. Um, Just have a bunch of dudes in there. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, you know, it's, it's if you pick the right times of year, it's temperate enough that, it, you know, a, a shelter made out of, a tarp shelter would be fine. Yeah, you um, just the bugs is all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there and you know it was cold enough there was no bugs. That yeah, was the, I don't you know, and I was thinking like September, you know, maybe September or October, maybe the beginning of October maybe, would be maybe a great right time. around the time of of um, Mike's uh, grind in. Grind in. Yeah. Fall yep. grind in. Have yep. extend that out a bit and do like the real deal afterwards. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a great it, it was a great spot um I think that if we if we had some uh, you know some guys that wanted to come and teach some classes, I think it would be a really cool cool yeah. gig. Yeah, I'll I'll teach uh, some wilderness uh, medicine type stuff. Oh, that's all like fun. Uh -huh. Well, and, and and you don't the stuff that I teach is real basic. Like people are everybody thinks everything is so complicated. It really isn't. You know, I I teach basically how to stay healthy. And if you, I can teach you how to deal with like the various injuries that you're likely to get. You know, okay, so it's real simple stuff. So, so, so the weekend I used 
um, the Beast. I used um, the Blackjack Bushcrafter, which I do really like. I understand why you like that knife. Yeah, I, I, I used really, it too. I really, really like that knife. That is a that is a um, uh, that is definitely a, a great tool. Uh, if <laughs> anybody has not gotten one of those yet, I would suggest you get one. Because that's for the for the dollar, that's got to be one of the better values on the yeah, market right now. It's it's amazing. It's 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 got the fit and finish of of a Bark River knife, um, but you're paying like next to nothing for it. You know, yeah. I mean, rel- relative to what you pay for a a knife from just about any other company with that kind of fit and finish, and it's done right. So then I used oh, and then uh, Brian had a. Um, you know, have you seen those little game hatchets that uh, the, the little small one that Grant Struth makes? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I looked it up after we talked about it last okay, time. Okay, so he so he shows up with one made by Wetterling. Yeah, that's and a good a, one too. And it's a heads. Well, it's the same company. I mean, same guy owns both companies now. Okay, but it's different um, Smiths, though, right? Yeah, but they're but it literally is the same. The same man owns yeah. both of those companies. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's a nice guy. I mean, a really cool guy. He wants to maintain the axe heritage, and the, so that's yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely a company that's worth supporting. Either yeah. one of those. Well, so he um, he has this he has this um, Wetterlings that is like I, I don't remember what you know what the you know what the hunter's axe is. Yeah, I've got it. Not yes, okay. Yeah. Now, what's the one that's called? That's that same size, but it doesn't have the rounded pole on the back. It's, it's got this flat it's, pole. Um, I have forest? that one too. I think it's is it a the, forestry? Uh, I think it's the small forest axe. I'll, I'll okay. have the a definite answer for us here in two seconds. But continue on. Okay, so he has he has this Wetterlings that's about that same size head, mm-hmm. but it's got the handle that's that's a little. A little heavier than the game hatchet okay. or the wildlife hatchet, a little a little thicker, uh-huh. and it's but it's real short like that. Okay. And so I'm at first I'm laughing about it. I'm I'm like yeah you know really what the hell this yeah. is silly this is just silly. Okay. And and then I start then I used it and I was like holy crap this is nice. Would is it his wildlife hatchet or is it the expedition hatchet? It must be the expedition hatchet because it's little. It's short. Yeah, it's 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 real short, um, and it's got a real attractive look. Uh, it's real attractive looking. Yeah. So so you know, I was using the bow saw and I'm cutting sticks to put in that um, in that stove, and I was cutting them, you know, two inches, three inches in diameter, and uh-huh. I was using that little hatchet to 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 split them. Yeah. And it was nice. It worked really, really nice. And and within a matter of seconds, with a bow saw and that little hatchet, you're you've got wood for yeah. for your fire in your little the, stove. The um, how do you how do you like that compared to the wildlife hatchet? It's that, a heavier head, and that's and, and that's you, what I was saying is the head. You like is, it? Yes, because the wildlife hatchet one. the wildlife hatchet is is for hunting. Yeah. I mean, it really is for splitting carcasses, for splitting pelvises, and for for splitting uh, briskets open. Uh-huh. That's what that that's what that hatchet is for. Uh-huh. It's not for chopping a lot of wood, and it doesn't have a lot of weight on the head to carry through. Yeah. Where like the the hunter's axe is more like for moose and elk. Uh huh. 
Mm-hmm. And of course, cows for splitting cows, that kind of stuff. But the uh, but that little that little um, Wetterlings was was a good backpacking choice. Uh-huh. Very very good backpacking choice. Yeah, the other the other one um, it could be was the head shaped like one of those French axes that that yes. swoops out. Yes. You know what I'm talking about, where the yeah. top of the blade is higher than the um, you know, instead of being straight across, because oh. they actually make several little hatchets. I, I wonder which one he's, uh, which one he was using. But uh, uh, while I you're looking, to, while I you're looking to... at that, the um, the Grandsforth Brooks axe, axe that you're talking about, that's about the same size as the Hunter's axe, uh-huh. is the small forest axe. But it's okay. different and it feels different, and I don't like it half as much as well, I like the Hunter's axe. The Hunter's axe it is, is the it is a completely different. It is a completely different axe. There's yeah. no question about it. it. It's they're very similar, axe. but it's different. And it's not, mm-hmm. I don't like it half as much as I like the hunter's axe. Well, I think the, I think the, um, I think the, the heads are quite a bit different. They're forged yeah. quite a bit different. Yeah. And the, the handles are different too. And yes. it doesn't, it doesn't, it does not feel as good as the hunter's axe, the GB hunters. Um, you know who uh, who had one of those was uh, Sam Hensley at PWIP, yes. and I used that thing and I just loved it. So I bought one and I bought Dave one because Dave gave me a bunch of uh, army surplus stuff. You know, I wanted a um, uh, a friend of mine bought a tomahawk by Grantsforth. Oh, they yeah. They actually made they actually made, he was a tomahawk guy. Yeah. And, and um. You know, I'm on the Wetterling site right now, and they don't have a very good. Go on Amazon. They've got like 30 different. They've got they've got um. They've got 13H, 10H, Expedition, 16H. Uh, I mean, they have so they have a wildlife hatchet, they have an Expedition hatchet, they have a small axe with hickory handle. That might be the one you're looking at with the real short, super short handle. And then they've got um. Large hunter's axe, which I'm assuming is very similar to the GB one. Okay, so it looks like the SA, like the 10A small axe with a hickory handle. That's what he had. Uh, yeah, that's what it looked like. Yeah, because that's a real short handle on there. Yes, yeah, I and mean, it was extremely, extremely short. I'm and notice, those. and notice if you can see the 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 wildlife hatchet. Yeah. Right below it. Yeah. See this the uh, the angle of the attack is completely different. Yeah. Well, so you're looking at the you're looking at the 13H wildlife hatchet then, right? I'm looking at a well, I'm on Amazon right now. Yeah. And uh, the 10H small uh, SA Wetterlings 10H small axe with hickory handle. Okay. And then like two down below it is a Grantsforth wildlife hatchet. Yeah, okay, now I see. Yeah. Yeah, I like this thing. I'm going to get one of those. That is that is a you know, I always have a problem with with bringing one uh-huh. <laughs> because I have five. Yeah, you know, it's like the guy that has two wristwatches never knows what time it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I have a I went up there with a big bag of knives and and like two double bitted axes and 
several like a hunter's axe and a, and a um, I had the a Wetterlings Wildlife, whatever the hell that one's called, that wildlife, but the the small forestry axe. I have yeah, one yeah. by by um, I have one of those by um, Wetterling. Uh huh. That was modded by Bark River. Mm-hmm. And so I had all of this stuff with me, and every time, you know, and you end up only using one thing. Yeah. You know, and I ended up using, oh, I used a, um, Brian had a, uh, um, a heli knife. Yeah, those are awesome. And, you know, I used that quite a bit. He has actually has a stainless steel and a, and a carbon version of the same knife. Okay. And I really did like that quite a bit. Yeah. Um, the, the handles are real nice on them. They're real comfortable to use. They, uh, um, they work real well. I don't, he likes to wear it as a neck knife. I don't, I'm, I think it hurts my neck. It was a little bit too heavy for that. I think what I'm going to do is the ultralight bushcrafter. I'm going to have a, um, a, a sheath made like, like the, um, Skookum sheath? Yeah. I'm going to have a sheath made like that for that ultralight bushcrafter. Oh, cool. I think that would be a that would be a good bushcraft-type knife. Speaking of sheaths, you know the guy, um, and I can edit this out if you want me to, the guy that, the, at Great Lakes Leatherworks. Yeah, Greg. Mm-hmm. I, wonder, I wonder how receptive he would be to um, making some sheaths for me. Like Very receptive. Like making a bunch of them. Very receptive. Because I'm going to have, like, some pretty massive um, runs of knives here <laughs> after I get all tooled up here. So that would Massive be... runs, huh? Well, the, the, first, the, first, um, the first batch of every knife, I'm just going to do 15, you know, and then uh, sell those and then finance the next. But it, it's I'm, what I'm planning on doing is doing... 15, next batch, 30, next batch after that, 60. Oh. So just doubling doubling production every time I do another batch. And, you know, the reason I can do that is because I'm not paying myself to do it. Right. Know? So I'm just, for a while, until I get up to big batch sizes, I'm and until it becomes too much work for me, I'm just going to double the next batch, and then eventually I'm going to have to hire somebody to help me out. Your arms are going to be like... Yeah, well, you know, the, the, the funny thing is, um, uh, they're already kind of getting that way. <laughs> my, my little 98-pound weakling arms are now all well, you, of a sudden like 16-inch biceps and stuff. You better, you better be careful you don't screw up your surgery. Oh, I won't. I'm, I'm, I do way more surgery than I do the other. But, and I've fluctuated in, in size and muscular stuff over the years, and it's never affected anything. But um, for... What I'm doing with these is um, the only things that I'm really forging on these are the the guard. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm doing a Lon Humphrey style um, brute to forge guard, mm-hmm. and then um, I'm going to forge in a, a maker's stamp, and and it, pretty much everything else, at least for the first ones, um, I'm going to have to do uh, you know standard stock, stock removal. removal. So yeah. there, there's going to be forged elements. It's not going to be 100% forged. The pro- problem being you can't, or I'm not a skilled enough guy to be able to make them so that I can make them 
consistently sized and consistently shaped without right. having some stock removal elements to it. You know? Right. And, and that, that becomes a problem when you try to um, hire a guy to, to make your sheaths for you. Right. You know, so that's that's kind of what I'm looking at. Well, every one of them is going to be custom, right? Yeah. Well, Pretty you much. know, yeah, and, and the, well, after the, the first 15 are, are going to be the way I want to make them. You know, so it's going to have the handle that I want. It's going to have everything the way I want it. And then after that, I'll probably, uh, I'll get, you know, six, 30 blanks for the next thing, and then I'll let people kind of choose their handle materials and price them accordingly. But uh, anyway, enough about that. What were we talking about? How did that come up? Oh, you were talking about getting a sheath made for your um, for the small yes. dark river. So let's get back to that. Who would you have make that? Hang on a second. I got to turn my TV just turned on by itself. Hold on one second. This is annoying. Pause my TV at uh, must have been about eight eight o'clock or seven thirty. Okay. And it and so it doesn't once it runs out of memory it just starts playing. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot it was even on. So the the were you gonna wear that skookum if you get the sheath made like that for your other knife are you gonna are you gonna wear that as a neck knife? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Because that's I'll, because that's a real light that's a real light little knife. Yeah, and, and it's and it's uh, um, and it's it's a handy size. Yeah, you know it's not a big knife. I'm I'm not a huge fan of neck knives, and someday we have to do a show on this. We're we're way behind on shows. We we gotta ramp up our production here. But um, I'm not a huge fan of them. There there's one. Uh, remember that one that we saw at the grind in, Mark. Um, yeah. Reich made well, that. And, and put this in perspective. I'm not talking about your what we're what people are using as neck knives. Yeah, I'm talking about a, a, a almost full size uh, knife. Yeah, a real you knife that you neck. wear around your neck. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then you know, there's all these other issues. Um, but the way you do it is actually smart. I think you do it with one of those pull chains. Yeah. Like uh, you, you know, so the. Uh, you know those little for our readers at home to imagine this. It's it's like those little beaded chains that's attached to the light in your grandma's basement. It's so, a dog tag knife. Right. So he takes he takes that and then he um, he makes it so that the knife attaches to that. But then to make it comfortable to wear, he takes the guts out of paracord and leaves one strand in there and then ties the chain to that and pulls it through. Yep. And so I actually stole that idea. If I have to wear something around my neck, I'll do it that way. Yep. And um, it makes it it makes it comfortable. And if it's light enough, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And you then know? you know, then there's the whole, you know, the well, you the, can't get choked out with it. Right. It'll break before before it's going to do you yeah. s too serious a damage. So yeah, because you, what you do is you you take and you make sure you split the paracord. I don't know if you notice that or not, but there's uh -huh. usually two pieces of paracord. 
Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so they can't so use the paracord to, to do right, it either. to choke you out. Yeah, I mean, you know, for as far as things around their neck, do the, the guys in the military still wear dog tags around their neck? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so, yep. and that's the system that they're using, basically. Yep. So, if the military does it, and they're not concerned about it, then I think it's probably safe. You know? Yeah. But, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of guys will get extra ones and put on their boots now, and... Yeah. So... So if you happen to have a leg blown off, you get your... You can get your leg back. You can get your leg back. That's nice. Yep. So, uh... At least get your boot back. Yeah. You can put it in the in the Jim Noka Hall of Fame. Yeah. For blown off legs well, or whatever. Yeah, the, uh... But the, um... But I think that... That the, I mean, the knife that he had that, and I and I used that quite a bit there. I really, actually, really, really liked it. It was, I don't know what model it is, but it is a hell a heli knife, mm-hmm. and they're very well made. You know, very comfortable. It was a uh, mortise tang. Okay. Um. Just to, you know, and, and uh, that the way they do their handles, if if you want to kind of resize them a little bit to for your comfort level. Uh-huh. You can do that with it. There's a lot of material to work with. Yeah. And uh, very, very comfortable knife to use. Um, like I said, I didn't. It was too heavy for me to wear around my neck. But he was real happy with it. He wanted mm-hmm. to, you know, he wore his around his neck all the whole weekend. Um, I didn't, but. And then, uh, uh, and then I used the ultralight bushcrafter, and then hatchets and bow saws. You know, Ooh. pretty much. Um, the. Um... So what? How long were you guys out there? We got out there Friday. We left. We left my house about about eleven on Friday, and we came. We got home about two on Sunday. Okay. Yeah. So you guys had a nice long time of it out there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's a very real comfortable. Good very, uh, you know, very fun. Enjoyed it quite a bit. Cool. Had my moccasins on. Yeah. <laughs> Wore my wore my moccasins all weekend. Yeah, I need to get a good pair someday. You know, I, I tell you, I like that company that I got these from. From What's the name uh, of the company, we can give them a plug. Uh, you get three. I was just gonna, I was just gonna say I don't remember the name of it. <laughs> uh, but let me look it up quick a minute because I, because they are good and they're and they were these the ones that I have on are are a hundred bucks and they're. Um, Something town leather. I can't even read the. Can't even read the. Uh, I read deerskin lined. They're from Maine. Oh okay. Um, so probably if ta- I think for- it's town. I think it might be town lined leather. Something like that from Maine. Yeah, but hang on. Let me look it up because because it, okay. it is it is worth saying. Townline furniture, townline furniture, townline leather, and double sole moccasins. Townline leather. Okay. Oh, town view leather. Town view. Town view leather. Yep. Okay. Town view leather. They're online. Townviewleather.com. Okay. And uh, the the ones that I'm wearing are, my wife calls them slippers, but um, I, I'm not buying into that. They're called the Old Main Comfort Classic. Old Main Comfort Classic. And they are deer skin lined, 
They're $100, $109. They went up in price. How's the sole on them? What do they got for that? They're double soled nice. and they're bison, I think. Bison. I think they're either bison or elk, but I think it's bison. Okay. Um, Old Town Classic Slipper. That's slippers. Mine aren't slippers. Old Main Classic Fleece Lined. You got fleece on yours? No, no. Mine are not fleece lined. Huh. Mine are deerskin, deerskin lined. Uh-huh. Product description is a hand-sewn, classic moccasin is double-soled, genuine hand-sewn around the toe and heel, not whipped or laced, using soft textured top grain cowhide, I'm sorry, thicker, more durable bullhide leathers used for the double sole. Okay. A rich dark brown color, this is a dark brown color, um... Mine, mine are honey colored, and it, mm -hmm. and our double sole moccasins are really triple soles because we put an extra layer of leather between the moccasin and the stitching on the double sole for added comfort. Sweet. So they're, I, I really do like them. I mean, they're as good, they're as good as anything I've, I've had on my feet. Yeah. The only thing is, you want to make sure that you're not wearing them in the snow. Yeah, because you because yeah. you will be on your ass in a matter of seconds. Well, and then it's it's not appropriate footwear um, for that, um, at least for for uh, people like us. No, no, I have, uh, but but you could wear them in the summertime. Yeah, yeah. Can you see them? Yeah. Well, sure. so uh, let's let's talk about. Uh, we're, we probably better get get along with stuff here. What about okay. uh, geek out knife? Okay, I've got um, I've got three geek out knives. Okay, and when you see them, two of them are by the same company. When you see them, you're gonna go, oh yeah, I'm geeked out by that. Okay. First one is this. Oh yeah, that's you know cool. what this is. That's um, it's got a stacked leather handle. It's got a big leather sheath. It's huge. That's got to be a Randall. Nope. No. Who made it? Oh my gosh. So that's a Bark River, then it has to nope. be. No. Nope. No. Can you see the name? Uh, oh, it's a Fallniven. Fallniven Tor, T O R. Very cool. I haven't seen that before. This yeah. is a this is a big knife. Yeah. What is that like? That's a hand span. That's got to be, be seven eight inches. A little longer than that, maybe. I have a big hand. Okay. Probably probably ten inches. Wow. This will take a leg clean off. <laughs> for, and this for is those of this you is laminated. This off. is this is laminated VG10. Uh huh. Um, this is this is one that I've never used. I've got another one that I use. Uh huh. This is a. These are fairly expensive now. Uh, because this is probably one of the most sought after knives. Huh. On the in the that are like a manufactured knife. Okay. Because. Because they're made in Japan, they're shipped to, to and sold to Sweden, and then this, then they're sold here. Well, the problem is is that the the kroner isn't strong against the yen, mm -hmm. so it's expensive that way. And then by and then the the kroner is not a, is not good toward the dollar, mm -hmm. and so they're expensive this way. So they're so because of the exchange rates, they're um, 
they're fairly, fairly expensive. They didn't used to be. They, they used to be more reasonable, but but they used to be in the $400 range. Now wow. they're, I think, and they're like almost 600 Jeez. I know it. I know it. That's like real so, money. Yep. Hmm. So then there's, then I have this. This has got a hedgehog leather sheath. You know, you know hedgehog yeah, leather? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Did I show you this before? Uh, I've seen the sheath. This is one of the more innovative sheaths I've seen that's got this. Yeah. The springs there. Yeah, so, yeah, he's got little springs in the leather there. Works really nice. So what, what he's describing is, um, you know how you have your knife in the sheath and then you have a snap that goes over the top of it to hold it in place? Well, that on this, the snap is has a little piece of thin um, sheet metal in there so that when you unsnap it, it opens positively and stays open. Right, until yeah. you pull it shut. It works really, really well. Yeah. And what's and the knife off. that you got in there? It's um, it's uh, it's another fallen even. And it's a um, I, I I done I D U O I D U N. Okay. I think is the I think is the uh, is the pronounce, correct pronunciation of it. Uh huh. And it's also a stack leather handle, so you can see it. Oh yeah, that's cool. And it oh, actually nice. would be an extremely good bushcraft knife. It's the the blade shape is about the size of a. I would say it's about the size of an F2. Okay. Or an F1, I'm sorry. And it's a full convex ground. Yeah. As opposed to a flat grind with a convex edge. These are full convex. Um, also, it is laminated steel. Yeah. And it's a stack leather handle. Yeah. With a nice pommel. And yeah. it's a very comfortable. It has the palm swells. Can you see the palm swells? Yep, yep. That's good. They did a good job on that. They did a real nice job. This is a very, very comfortable knife. Yeah. Very, very comfortable knife. Man, you're making me hungry for uh, Swedish meatballs here. Yeah. <laughs> and then I asked my wife to make some tonight. And this is this is a uh, I've used this knife hunting. Use this um, out hunting. Okay. And it, and it felt like, to be honest, you you add a little hatchet and a bow saw to this, and this is the perfect combination. Yeah. I mean, really is a nice a nice setup. That's cool. Then, my third Geek Out knife, I had reached back into the history books. All right. You see, that's attached to it. Oh, yeah, I'll you put... got a lanyard there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, I think you... yeah, yeah. I think that's... you saw this knife. Yeah. Why don't you tell them what it is? It's a case. It's, this, is a, this is a case Marlin Spike knife. Yeah, that's case awesome. Case Sailor's knife. I, I don't even think that, do they make those anymore? Cause that... Yep, yep they... I think they still do. I think okay, still I'm looking this these. up because I got a. I, that was one of the ones that was on my list to get, but I never. Um... Yep, this is a 6246R huh. in bone handle, and this is actually an extremely handy knife. Yeah. If you're if you're doing any kind of work with with knots and and that kind of stuff, that little piece right there is that the Marlin spike portion of it is uh, is. Very, very nice to have. Yeah. Very handy to have. You can untie and tie knots. Um, yeah, well, and then there's there's an entire, you know, I've got that Ashley book of knots that I'm kind of working through. There's an yep. entire, um, there's an entire uh, 
family of knots that are that are tied with that uh, with with a marling spike. So they're yep. marling spike knots. But yep, and they're they're very. Um, huh, I don't think that's a current model, dude. You sure? I'm I'm looking at their site right now. I don't see it. I don't remember what year this is from. Yeah, you're 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 going back into. Um, I thought they still made these. Hmm. I don't know, man. You sure? Uh, maybe I'm not. Maybe sure. I'm, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. I thought they still made them, but that that is a handy knife to have if you can find one. I know I know Camillus used to make one. Huh. And and um, I think K Bar seems like K Bar used to make one too. Huh. Well, maybe they're making it. I don't know, but um, I, I haven't seen it. Uh, I know that because they have the you know they have the vault thing, and they don't uh, they don't release stuff very often um, from that. Um, so so if you want a uh, if you want your what's that called the uh, if you want an elephant toe, um, you gotta wait right. until they re-release them. So that's so every every time they release one of those, I buy as many as I can find. But they only they don't release that many, which which bothers me. But I guess it okay. So if you go on if you go on uh, on Amazon and you look and you see what they have, they have a uh, Camillus makes one. Camillus, but is it case though? Mine's a case. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So here's um. um no, they have one. They actually are making it. There's one available from uh, Case Cutlery, Marlin Spike Two Blade Brown. Yeah, that's basically what you've got. Yeah. So it's it's not the same. Well, mine is mine is a spike. bone handle, and I think the one that they have now is like a brown Delrin or something or brown. But I I, I figured they still make it. Yeah, they do. Um, yeah, the one they've got, um, you can get a red. On Amazon right now, you can get um, brown bone brown handle. I'm gonna just try to figure out what the handle material is. It's uh, sheep's foot blade. Handle material is plastic, and they want 150 bucks for it. Um, I love that knife. I, yeah. I really do. There's there's Colonial makes one. Uh huh. Not terribly expensive. Actually, yeah. 17 pages Camillus, of Camillus makes one. Schrade makes one. Sog makes one. Um, I, I for those old patterns, I like the I like case man. I'm just a big case nut. Well, you know, you know what's interesting is you can take you can take some of these bushcrafting sheaths that like Mike Mike has made. Yeah. That Greg makes for Mike, and uh, you can actually put a marlin spike in that. In that holder. That's cool. And and make a nice sailor's knife. Huh. Yep. I I don't know if that's a current model though. You can I know you use. can you can buy it, but is that one that is like left over from you know, know. is that one that's left bucks. over? Is Only that one, one that, left in stock, American well, Edge Corporation. It actually, might be an old one. Actually, they haven't updated yet because it's not in stock anymore. Oh. 
Probably it was in stock. It. Yeah, I wonder who that it. was. Yeah. Well, it wasn't because we were just talking. Oh, did you just buy it? <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say the podcast hasn't gone public yet. So how the hell could somebody have bought it already? Yeah, no, uh, it was there. Um, <laughs> it is no longer there. Yeah, because it's that's I, funny. I, I'm going to search their spike, but I don't, I don't think they've got it. Yeah, they don't have any knives on their site that are current that are the Marlin spike knives. So, yeah, I don't know, man. Well, I could be wrong, I guess. I would think that the sock one is probably pretty nice for for not a lot of money. Yeah. Oh, the, I mean, you know, it's it's just whether it's just what brand you want to go with. You know, I'm not I'm not saying one's better than the other. I just am a big fan of um, of Case. Yeah, I am too. I think it's uh, it's the history portion of it that I really like. Yeah. You know, I'm just I'm just that way. I don't. Uh, yeah, looking there's at their old, website. Now, there's an old Camillus one right here for for two hundred seventy nine dollars. That'd be an old. That's probably an old one. Yeah, but the on the in their modern um, on the website they don't have that they don't have that pattern anywhere. Right. At least, at least that I've been able to to find it. Um, they you know the other knife that is is still locked up in the vault is the um, doctor's knife. Mm-hmm. So that that one is another one that's kind of on my list is uh, one that I wouldn't mind having, um, but that's that's listed as being in their vault as a pattern that they're not currently making. Um, so interesting, yeah. And you'd think that that would be a pattern that they would make all the time because that seems like that's a pretty handy little tool. Oh, the the uh, oh the doctor's knives. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of it's kind of a niche market type thing. They were making it a few years ago because I almost bought one, but I didn't pull the trigger on it. But it's it's currently in the vault, and when it comes back out in a few years, I'll buy one. So those are your three. Those are my three. All right, I'm sticking well, to them. I have. What do you got? Well, I don't have necessarily a geek out knife. I have um, two things to bring to people's attention. Um, I've had this one for a few years. I'm, I, I, I like it. It's not, you know, I'm not going to say like I'm geeking out about it, but I do carry it sometime. It's this, uh, Columbia river knife and tools and the, the, it's a weird pronounce weird knife. It's H I S S A T S U folder. So it's got this weird kind of Asian inspired blade and it's got a, it's a big, nice, heavy knife. It, up to the when I bought this, it was one of the heavier um, framed and heavier feeling knives that I owned. Um, but it's an assisted opener, uh, ambidextrous, and it's got um, a liner lock, and it's got uh, it's got the uh, on the on the top. In order to release the liner lock, you also have to pull back this other little lever. So anyway, that's one to people just for people to look at and see what they think. What did you just flip out there? Oh, this is an old Masters of Defense. I don't know that knife. Mike Janich designed it. Okay. It's got it's got one of those buttons on it. Oh yeah. Okay. So the other the other knife to bring to people's attention 
and um, I kind of deserve a little bit of a thrashing over this. Is the Emerson, I'm going to thrash you. Emerson I'm thrash you over A100. Yep. Okay, so yep. I, I there's a story behind this knife. I've I've kind of wanted one of these for a while. Um, Very but, sexy knife. But I didn't I didn't remember. Um, I, I'd handled them before, and I knew I liked them, but I didn't remember like every little specific about it. I just knew I liked it. Um, so I ordered one off of their website, it's the Emerson A100, and I get it, and it's like this beautiful knife. And I go to open it, and I can't open it. And the reason I can't open it is it's like solidly a right-hander's knife. You know, you can't switch the pocket clip around. Um, the, you know, there's a little recess in the handle on the side so that you can get your thumb to the thumb stud. Uh, and that is only on the side that a right-handed person would want to use. And then on the other side, it's not like you can take it to Bark River and have him mill it out for you. It's, the liner lock is there. So it, there's no possibility of converting this to a left-handed knife, and it's extremely difficult to open left-handed. So I made a mistake. <laughs> well, and you know what? You should have been paying attention. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I can I can probably trade you something for that. Yeah. I'll find something and I'll trade you for that because that I like that knife. That's a very yeah. sexy knife, and it's, I can I can function with that on my other side. Yeah. Well, you know, and I I could open it right-handed and carry it. I just I, I have so many other knives that I like that um I just I just would rather carry one that I like. Um, but this one uh, oh it came with a sticker in the box. I might take the sticker. <laughs> I'll put the sticker on my trailer. I'll put um, it on your computer. Well, I put it on my trailer because my trailer is what I use to get the band places and they'll get oh, free okay. advertising. So anytime somebody no. gives me a sticker, I put it on my trailer. Oh, cool. Um, I, uh, I'll find something to trade you that knife because I like that knife yeah. quite a bit. And I'll figure something that's that's reversible, left-handedable. Because you, you can operate a liner lock without any problems. Oh yeah, yeah, with your a right-handed one with your left hand, with yeah. your index finger. Yeah, All but right. this, yeah, so it's still new in box. All right, we'll it, it's been out we'll of the box twice, out. but we'll, we'll figure something out. Yeah, okay. you're supposed to you're supposed to check on that. Usually they'll say that it's got holes drilled for the yeah. pocket clip on the other side. Yeah, they they actually do make um, they do make. I was looking at their website today because I want an Emerson. I I like the fit and finish i like the craftsmanship i like the company well they only make three models in left hand one is the commander and the commander is nice i just don't like the recurve and then it's got that little beer opener thing on the top that'll snag my pocket and i know that's that's the idea but I, i'm not real huge fond of that then they've got the um cq7 which is a possibility um but it's you know, some some of them have Tonto blades, and I'm not sure if they have one that that has a plain edge with no um, Tonto I have, blade. I on have it. one of those made by Benchmade. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought that was a neat knife. And then the other one is the Sark, and it's kind of like a sheep's foot pattern, mm-hmm. um, but there's some recurve to it, and I'm not super super excited about that. So really, they have one model that is currently made left-handed. The one I wish they'd make left, I wish they'd make two of their knives left-handed. One of them is the Gentleman Jim. 
mm-hmm. because that just looks badass. And then the other one is I I do like this um, A100. So if they'd make you know a run of each of those in left-handed, I'd really appreciate it. <laughs> I wonder if they have uh, I wonder if they have a um, I wonder if he makes custom ones left-handed. Well, yeah, you'd pay through the nose for it. I think I think what you're stuck doing is waiting for a limited run or whatever. But uh, that's all I know. And you're sticking to it, huh? Yeah, for now. Something else I wanted to talk about. I can't remember what it was. We we have so much to cover. It's we got to get another podcast out soon because we still haven't talked about that lengthy email, and the. Oh yeah, and, and the you other know what one else too. You need to you need to put that other you need to put chances uh interview up. Yeah, and then I have another Ethan interview, um, and the Ethan interview um, is has some really 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 neat kind of theoretical concepts about knives. So if you can deal with the wind chimes, um, uh, <laughs> and, and just expect a, a little bit slower pace of conversation. So, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a change in pace um, from our usual podcast. But if you, can, if you can handle those two things, I think it would be worth your time to listen to it. The guy the guy's been around quite a while, and he's got a designer's gig for a major company, and that is not easy to come by. No. Um, so he, he does have some insight that's, that's worth listening to. Um, so I have to put those out. We have to talk about that guy, his email he sent. And the other thing I want to talk about is I started a topic on uh, blade forums, axe versus saw versus uh, large knife for chopping. And it's like, last time I checked it, it was like two and a half pages or something like that. So those are those are three topics that we need to cover eventually. Uh, and, of course, every... You know, every every day we get more and more stuff we need to cover, so we're just getting behind. Uh, what else do you know? I'm hearing music. <laughs> oh, is that your phone? No, this would be, uh, this is... Oh, no. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> this is B Pandora. I must have touched the button. Okay. Feeling all like well, you don't, you don't romantic like, uh, and stuff. No, I, like, I, I, I don't. Bob I didn't Seger? say I didn't like it. I like Bob Seger. <laughs> hey, Bob Seger was on the podcast today. What do you think <laughs> about that, people? Hey, and the other thing we got to do is we got to have some some people uh, for phone interviews. Remember, you talked about uh, the knife the bladesmith up by you. Yes. Yep. Yep. And yep. Then, I got him to come on board. Yeah. And um, yeah, because we because we want to talk about the uh, um, the seminar that they're doing up here. Yeah. So I think that would be very cool. Yeah. Um, we got a bunch of stuff we got to do. Yeah. So I mean, we got our plates full. Um, but for this episode, I got nothing else. Now, I'll if I remember what it is, I'll. Uh, well, I'll just save it for the next time. I okay. know that there was some other stuff that I wanted to talk about. Oh, we we have so much so much to talk about. But only so much time, though. We need our own like national three-hour radio show. <laughs> yeah, us to, and Rush. I'm yeah. not going up against Rush, though. Well, he, I think he'd like us. 
because we he like him. He probably would like us. He probably would like us, but he's he likes to talk. He likes to hear himself talk. Yeah. Well, yeah. He would never be able to. He wouldn't ever consent to doing like a conversational thing like we do. No. And I would like to do. I would. I would not want to compete. No, side by yeah. side with him because just because I like to listen to him. Yeah, and be like okay. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to do it while he's doing it because I, right. I want to listen. <laughs> I think we should do. I think we should actually start doing uh, the YouTube videos of this. I wonder if we could do that. I wonder if we could do like a YouTube of our Skype conversations. Well, what would have to happen is you'd have to um, screen capture your Skype, and I'd have to screen capture mine, and I'd have to splice them together. And I could do that, but it would involve you doing some work and me doing some work, which I don't mind doing. Um, but uh, getting those files transferred back and forth on your server might be big. Yeah, I mean it'd be it'd be a couple hundred megs. I guess it's not that big. It'd be entertaining. Yeah, yeah. If people could see all this crap going on in the background, you know, and and actually see us talking. I, I had this big grand plan of taking pictures and uploading them to the interwebs um, on our forum uh, last week, but uh, I, I ran out of time. It's, it's a time thing. I mean, it's yeah. it's seriously so, a time thing. We so don't what, have peeps. We don't have peeps yet to do this stuff. We need to have. We need to have like well, well, here's three a, assistants and. Well, and here's a deal. Like, um, you know, like I'd I'd be willing to like give somebody a knife. Um, if, if what they would do is after they hear the podcast, if they'd like put up a, a, uh, put up some photos of the stuff we're talking about. Cause we, it's not like we're talking about like crazy custom stuff. It's all stuff right. that you can buy, you know, for the most part. Um, if somebody just put up a, a thread on the forums of each picture, like I'd give them something. It's, it's like, you know, I'd give them like a Swiss army knife or something or whatever they wanted really you know um we've got and we've got a lot of stuff it's not like we yeah. don't have a lot of stuff yeah so like if they were if they were wanting to do that and take that on as a job we'd give them like an official knife journal knife <laughs> yeah we'll figure it out yeah. we'll figure it out um my my graphics people are working on knife journal now so it's going to be available on that uh, P, uh interactive pdf too so for the people that do not want to invest in a tablet, um, they can look at it on a computer now. Yeah, well, and they they're, should and they're going to do they the, really and they're going to awesome. do the first issue like that too. And so we're we're in the process of restructuring everything. I just got a new sales lady um, to uh, um, brought her on board, and we're like I said, we're redoing our uh, our, our our game plan. And we should be we should be releasing the next one and very shortly. I mean, I I really apologize for the whole length in between these, but but it's not. For those of you in business, you will know you know that it's not as easy as everybody thinks it is just to turn something loose. Well, and then when you've got one guy doing it, and yeah. maybe a couple nerds, you know, everything has yep. to be checked and like yeah, you know. Yep. And, they're, like, and, they're, and, they're, and the guys that I have are good guys. I mean, yeah. and uh, uh, so it's just a it's just a temporary glitch. We'll get we'll get we're not derailed. We're just like got a broken wheel. Yeah, we're, but and, this and we're is, fixing the broken. I mean, wheel. how old is the company? It's not that old. 
No. You've got no. one out, and you're putting right. another one out. It's ready. Right. It's just, you know, yep. it's just, a learning process, you know. Yep, yep, exactly. And and we want to do it, we want to do it so that it's, uh, um, we don't want it to be junky. And, and I, yeah. you know, I think a lot of stuff that gets turned out too soon is junky, and we want to make sure we get our schedules right, and and everybody gets taken care of, and it's not an easy thing. It's and then amazing. you have to worry about, you know, all the other stuff that goes along with uh, living where I live, too. Yeah, and and again, it's not a blog. It's, no. It's a magazine, and the only reason you don't think of it as a magazine is because it's not arriving at your door. Right. You know, um, so everything that goes into making a magazine goes into making that thing. You have to yep. have writers. Yep. And the writers have to know what they're doing. Yep. And you have to have layout guys. I mean, it's a big, big deal to put a magazine yep. together. And, and the hardest, and sometimes the hardest part is to figure out how to pay for all that. Yeah. Because it's not, it's not an easy thing. Yeah. And, that, <laughs> so, and then the, the other thing is, is that the, again, I've started now two different companies and both of them are successful. You have to put the, before you make dollar one, you have to put up a bunch of money. Yep. You know, yep, you have exactly. to invest, 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 and then you maybe get some money back. So, you know, like that's why I talk about doing a run of knives and only doing 15 because I'm putting, you know, several thousand dollars on the table without any guarantee of, of money coming back. And that's that's the way it is in business. You know, it's, mm-hmm. everybody exactly. thinks like, well, I got this job and. The bastard needs to pay me a percentage of the company. It's like, well, put your money at risk, and you, you know maybe, yeah. Yeah. you know, start start some stuff, buy into buy into the company, buy a partnership, and then then we'll talk. You know, take some risk yeah. along with it. But anyway, yeah, I digress. It, it's not it's not easy anyway. It's not easy, yeah. but we're we're getting things starting to rock again, and I'm um, excited. I bought yeah, a, I am too. I, and you sold me. I, you sold me on the concept of an iPad. <laughs> yeah, that well, and do, do you use your iPad quite a bit? Exclusively, like yeah. the, the only I mean, thing a, I use a, a desktop or a laptop anymore for is video editing, for doing this, and for stuff where I absolutely have to have a keyboard. Do you have a laptop? I have two different laptops. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't. I don't use it anymore. I yeah. completely abandoned I know, that platform. I know it's funny. I use my uh, I use my iPod quite a bit, and uh, my my dog is outside digging in the flowers. My wife is gonna kill him. You'll be eating dog stew tonight. Yep. There, that'll <laughs> that'll get him. That'll get him looking for what the hell that buck, what that knock was. <laughs> he's he's out there. I don't know what the hell. He's out there digging in the flowers. I'm gonna have to go and fill that in before before my wife kills me. Okay. Well, you better get to it. All right. So until next time, keep your friends sharp and your knives sharper. Right. No. Vice versa. Keep your knives sharp and your friends sharper. Yep. Yep. And yep. we'll see you next time. And we'll we'll turn one of these out again uh, in the next little bit because we've got. Uh, we're getting way we've got back a lot, up. Yeah, we've got a lot of material that we need to cover. and So check us out on Facebook um, and uh, check us out at knifejournal.com. And with that, take care. See you later. Bye-bye and bye, Bonds.